are listening to Doing Law Differently. Join me, Lucy Dickens, as I explore how the world's most progressive legal service providers are doing law differently. Hi everyone, Lucy Dickens here and you're listening to the Doing Law Differently podcast. Today I'm joined by Marianne Marchese, the founder and principal lawyer of Legalite. I connected with Marianne on LinkedIn and saw a lot of her posts, which led me to her website, where I was very impressed that her firm is all about simplicity, which you may know by now is what my life is all about too. So I connected with her over that, I guess, starting point value, which we talk about in the interview today. In less than two years, Marianne has led Legalite to become a recognized and market-leading law firm in the business and franchising space. When you listen to the interview, you will hear that that's not surprising because Marianne has got some quite unique and interesting ways of doing business with her customers, including operating as an outsourced legal counsel for her franchisor clients, and more recently, the launch of a new arm of her business, Legalite Horizons, which offers lawyers the infrastructure to run their own practice while remaining fully supported by the backbone that Legalite provides. As well as talking about those things, I also talked to Marianne about the wellness initiatives that she's implemented in her firm, things like flexible working, but also other initiatives that really bring the team together and that really focus on the wellness and the well-being of her staff. Enjoy the interview. Hello, Marianne. Thank you for joining me. Hi, Lucy. Thank you for having me. Some of the first words that we see or that I saw when I went to your website were simplified legal services. And this made me happy because I'm all about simplicity. <laughs> it's something that I talk about yeah. often. It's my mantra, but it's, it's one of simplicity. So it made, it made me smile. And great. <laughs> Good start, right? I'm interested to understand what does simplicity mean to you in the way that you deliver your legal services? Yeah, so for me, it was really about the experience that I had in private practice and the frustrations that I myself witnessed, but also saw clients witnessing um, just in the delivery of legal services, things like billing as well, you know, use heavy use of paper and delivering advice in ways that were often complicated and didn't really make sense to clients. So I went through, I guess, my private practice career agitating for change. And I went to a big firm, a medium firm and a small firm. And I found that that traditional model did things very similarly to each other. So eventually I decided that if I genuinely wanted to do things differently and really deliver those simplified legal services, that I would do it myself. So when I established Legalite, it was with the main mission of simplifying legal services. And it's something that I'm really passionate about and constantly looking at new ways that I can do that. So initially, it started off as having fixed fees. So we don't do hourly rates or billing at all. We don't time record. And I just saw that that was getting such a great response from clients more so than I probably expected because it really was a breath of fresh air, I think, in the industry. And there has been that sort of movement towards fixed fees now because it's so well received and it's going, you know, it really is changing the industry. So, yeah, it all really started with basic core principles that really worked and and it's evolved from there. So it's something that I'm constantly looking at doing as part of our mission. 
So you started simplifying provision of legal services by selling your services at a fixed fee. What came next in terms of what was the next stage of that journey to simplify the service offering? So another part of when we started, what we were doing was running a paperless practice as well. So we use a lot of technology at Legalite, um, initially just because I hate paper, but also (laughs) to make my life easier. And then I realized, well, I can actually extend this out and use platforms that make things seamless for the client as well. So then it also evolved into looking at technology and finding new ways of delivering services that makes it easier. So now, for example, we use technology for the entire client lifecycle from getting instructions to document signing to even to paying bills. Everything is electronic and online. So it's that was one sort of way that it we did start paperless, but it definitely evolved and grew from there. And another way was through a service that I developed in mid-2017 that was as a result of client feedback called Legalite Council. It's essentially an outsourced legal in-house team that is completely tailored to each client that is on this particular service. So we realised that whilst a lot of clients were benefiting from ad hoc um, advice at fixed fees, Others needed a more dedicated outsourced legal team but couldn't afford an in-house lawyer of their own. So what we do there is we scope out the work for the next 12 months and then we offer that client a fixed monthly retainer on the basis of that scope. And on top of that, they also get access to -to day-to-day support for ad hoc advice. So it's really like we're acting as an extension of their team and we even have you know, an internal email address with them and we use their existing platform so we can integrate with them really easily. Mm, Okay. So you've taken that simplification, I guess, that step further in in terms of the way that you integrate with your clients and you provide them with that service, the fixed service on a fixed scope with a fixed retainer. What's been the effect on your business since you started that back in 2017? It has been phenomenal in terms of the growth that we've experienced, but also the client relationships. I mean, we've always had really trusted relationships with our client, but this has just bolstered it even more because we now do act like an extension of their team. Um, They include us in commercial decisions and look to us for strategic advice as well. So we can really complement our legal services with that strategic and commercial advice too and build on those client relationships. And even in terms of a business point of view, it's it's really has grown the business too. And what about your clients from their perspective? Are they engaging you for advice where otherwise they might not have done? Are they what kind of value do they see mm. as a result of having you on this more uh, I guess well on a retainer basis yeah. as opposed to ad hoc advice? Well, absolutely they do because one of the benefits um, that clients have said they're getting from this is that they feel like they can pick up the phone anytime, even if it's to give us a heads up about something that's coming. So rather than our legal advice being reactive, it's much more proactive and we can often preempt things before they do blow up. So it really is getting the benefit of having someone essentially in-house and clients rely on us and look to us for advice more than they would have otherwise. Can you give me an example of what a typical retainer scope would look like for this kind of arrangement? 
Yeah, sure. So we predominantly act for franchisors, so franchising clients, but more even more so franchisors. So for a franchising client on legal like counsel, what we would do is sit down with them and have a look at what franchise activity they've got coming up in the next 12 months. So that might be, for example, 10 new franchises, five renewals, you know, three sale of businesses, five lease reviews. So we really try to project the transactional work that they are expecting in the next 12 months. And then we essentially amortize that cost to offer them a fixed monthly retainer. And then on top of that, the day-to-day advice that they get is really around, it can be a whole range of things, but, you know, we typically would advise also around, say, intellectual property, for example, or even commercial decisions and strategy type work. So it's very broad and it is completely tailored. So every client is different, but typically in the franchise space, that's the way that it would work. Yeah, they'd be dealing with similar types of issues. How would you deal with scope creep? So if you start at the beginning of a 12-month period and you can try and foresee what might come up, but obviously you can't predict everything, how do you deal with making sure, well, managing the cost from your perspective and also the scope if your customers are asking you for more and more? Yeah, so because the scope is planned out 12 months in advance, we track it throughout the year as well so that if something was completely misprojected, then we would quote that as being out of scope on a fixed fee basis. And other things might pop up that we just didn't consider at all. So then we would just offer a fixed fee. If it's repetitive work that keeps coming up that we hadn't really budgeted for, then we might look at revising the retainer to include that scope of work as well. So what we do is for all, all clients on this model, we review it after three months anyway, just to make sure that we sort of got it right. And then for the most part, you know, if one month is quiet and then the next one is busy, it all sort of comes out in the wash anyway at the end. Yeah. I think tracking is a really, really good point that you raise there because when you're delivering a service like that over a period of say 12 months, it can be easy to forget what's gone before and what's to come. So you might forget that you've just had six quiet months when they start demanding everything. You know, they've got 10 lease reviews in one month. So tracking and keeping track of that on a client basis is is something that's, I think, really important to remember. Yeah, absolutely. And we're very transparent with that as well. So we will share whatever spreadsheets or whatever it is that we have been using to track it with the client too, so that they still have that transparency, whether it's month one, month six, or at the end of the 12 months. Mm. Now, you've recently launched a new arm of your business, which is called Legalite Horizons, where you're offering lawyers basically the infrastructure to run their own practice, and but while being fully supported by you. Tell us about that. What does that entail? So this came out of what I had learned when I established Legalite, that there is an easier way to practice law Mm. and integrating some of the principles and and also benefits that I had experienced by establishing my own firm. But I also recognise that a lot of people may not want to set out to set up their own firm or others might be stuck on a pathway to partnership where they just can't see it happening anytime soon. So this is for those principal level lawyers that want to essentially walk into a ready-made brand, 
um, have that infrastructure, have the support, but still retain the lion's share of what they bill and still have freedom and flexibility to run the practice, their practice the way that they want to. So it's really giving people the tools to have their own practice without the headache um, that's often involved in setting up your own business and also the isolation that people might get from being a sole practitioner because I know that I definitely experienced that isolation and sometimes loneliness when I initially started. So this is also about providing them with that support and mentoring to run their own practice the way that they want to. So with this program, are you looking for people who are just practicing in the same areas of law as you or are you looking to expand there? It's for other areas of law, people who are specialists in their own fields mm-hmm. as well, because I think that's something that really worked well with Legalite was that we are a niche franchising practice. So this is more for those also those specialist lawyers. So for example, in employment law, property law, wills and estates and other commercial areas. So there will also be a referral system within this model where we can refer work to those lawyers as well to support their practice too and support them to grow their practice. I have to ask, why did you choose to set up this way with this new model as opposed to just employing somebody to work for you? So, I mean, from an employment point of view, I couldn't see the benefits for both myself and for principal level lawyers to essentially just be another employee. I mean, this is really for someone who is ambitious and wants to have their own client base rather than get that paycheck at the end of every month. Mm. It is more for the ambitious principal who wants to grow their practice and wants to retain you know, the majority of what they're billing as well. So from a financial point of view for those principals, it's a much more attractive model than if they were employees. And also I didn't want the typical frustrations that you get with the traditional partnership model where, you know, often there are arguments about equity and sharing Mm. and splitting of profits. I just wanted to take all of that headache out of it and looked at what are the essentials that I think most principals who are looking for this sort of thing would want. And I don't think that they could have been met under the employment model. It's about simplifying it, right? Again. (laughs) It's right back to where you started. Yeah. Yes, it does. Yeah, come back to that. Feeling inspired but unsure how to translate that inspiration into change in your firm. Or maybe you have ideas to shake up your business, but you're having a hard time implementing them. Well, I can help. After 10 years leading law firm development and change, I'm now helping others to do the same. My coaching programs are designed to help you redesign your business to create a simple but significant and sustainable business that will skyrocket your success. Let me help you do law differently. Visit lucydickens.com.au forward slash coach to find out more. So we've got a bit of a feel for the way that you practice law and the way that you run your business, but I'm also interested to explore some of your wellness initiatives. I know, as you would, that the legal profession doesn't really have the best image in terms of wellness with things like long hours and heavy workloads and, you know, all that comes with the the stereotypical legal position. What are some of the initiatives that you've implemented in an attempt to kind of try and combat some of these things in your firm? 
Yeah, sure. So again, this also was born out of my own experiences and frustrations. I used to suffer from anxiety and still do on some level, but when I started Legalite, it was also to give myself more flexibility in terms of my work-life integration and do the things that I loved, like exercising, walking the dog, you know, that sort of thing, and, and being able to work during times that I was most productive. So initially, again, it, it started out as a little culture that I created for myself And then when I started employing staff, I thought, well, you know, why can't they also have the benefit of these things that I was experiencing? So it initially started out with a flexible work model, which we continue to have and promote. So I have one staff member that works completely from her home down by the coast. We have work from home days as well, where uh, lawyers choose a day that they want to work from home and even then it's very flexible if they have appointments and other things that they want to work around that they're working during times that suit them and then more than that we started introducing wellness initiatives and getting investment from the team in other wellness initiatives that we could be running so for example on Mondays we have a team meeting and then we follow it with a Monday meditation where we all sit sit together and do a meditation together before the week kicks off. And then on Fridays, we wind down the week with a gratitude circle. So we share the things that we're grateful for in the week that's passed. And that can be a really nice way to reflect, especially after a busy week, on the things that we appreciate because quite often you can get caught up in the busyness and forget that there is always something to be grateful for. And there have been studies that show gratitude can be so important to that well-being. It sounds like a nice way to sort of finish off the week. And even if, you know, you've had a busy week or it's been a bit hectic or maybe even if it's been a bit quiet, it's a nice way to bring everybody back together. Is that what you find? Yeah, absolutely. It's really nice even to just share our experiences from the week and, and reflect. And it does finish the week on a really nice high. So, yeah, it is really lovely. And then since implementing those initiatives, we also now have a wellness champion, a legalite. So one of my staff members, Lauren, she shares wellness tips every day. Ah. Yeah, things like nutrition um, tips, exercise, things to do to sort of look after your own well-being as well. And then also ways that we can contribute to the community because that has a big part to play in our wellness too. So we look at things like fundraising activities and volunteer activities that we do as a team Mm -hmm. and just giving back to the community too. Aside from the community part, which I think, well, at least I would hope that lots of businesses are kind of have got their head around. I'm interested to understand how what your experience has been with the business case for the other types of wellness initiatives, because often mm. people who I speak to see, you know, meditating together or having a gratitude circle or, you know, we might do yoga, whatever it might be that some firms implemented. Often they see those things as idealistic or unrealistic, or we don't have time for that, or I don't want to be paying for my team to do yoga, whatever the excuses might be what the results have you seen what's the business case from your perspective that you've actually seen as a result of implementing those things to be honest I never thought about the business case when I set out to implement these initiatives it was more purely for 
the well-being of my team so so that everyone could experience and create a life that they love and not have to segregate their personal life from their work life. However, having said that, I definitely have seen benefits from a business case point of view. I, I can't even remember the last time a staff member took a sick day, for instance, and even when they have, they've genuinely been very sick or, you know, like they're genuinely sick. It's not a mental health day because work is stressing them out so much and they feel like they need to take time off. Yeah. And then productivity as well. I feel like the team give back 10 times what I give them because they know that they are so trusted and that I care about their well-being. So they give it back tenfold in terms of their productivity and work ethic and discipline. So there's definitely a business case there, but I think that if firms set out to do it for the business case, they may not see the same benefits. Yeah, that's an interesting observation. It's a bit like the flexible work piece where you see businesses say that they do flexible work, but they actually don't. You know, it's just kind of they want to tick the box. Yeah. And I think if it's a written policy that's not really backed up with the action behind it and with the backing of the partnership, then people can see through that and they can see that, you know, whilst we might have a flexible work policy, for example, that if you do work from home, it's frowned upon. So then people don't really utilise it as much as they should. Yeah. What's the one piece of advice that you would give to somebody who wants to do law differently? I would say go back to your values and live them. It's, you know, very easy to have written values and to spout them and a lot of firms do, but actually living your values is another thing. So think about maybe what are your three top values and how can you align your practice in a way that truly lives those values. That's some very good advice. I think it's always useful to go back to the purpose and the values and the vision and why it is that we're building these businesses and doing what we're doing, not just kind of getting stuck in the routine of doing things because we've always done them. Well, exactly. And then I think if you don't have those values in mind, it can be very easy to get sidetracked and, you know, just do it the way that it's always been done and the easier way. So it would be very easy for us to go back to hourly billing, for example, because it's so easy to pick up a calculator and say, this is how long something's going to take. But it doesn't align with our values at all. So we would never do that. And then developing new services, it does always come back to our values of simplicity and transparency and trust. So it's something that you carry through with you. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us and for sharing a bit about your journey. Pleasure. Thank you. And congratulations on such a great podcast. Thank you, Marianne. So that's all from Doing Law Differently today. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast so far, I'd love it if you could leave a rating and review on iTunes. It makes a big difference because it really helps other people to find out about the show. And lastly, if you or someone who you know is doing law differently, then send them my way at doinglawdifferently.com.au forward slash guest. I'd love to have as much variety on the show as possible. So do send them over. See you next week. Bye.